and welcome to Battle of Podcast, where we can never get a plane to come at the time we want it, but it'll come whenever you don't. God, they don't know that planes fly <laughs> over every 10 seconds during our recording. Now they do, behind the scenes. <laughs> My name is Mallory. I'm Tamu. And we are going to talk about a book that we read. Braving the Wilderness. But first, I'm assuming you have a question. Oh, I do. So... One of my friends is now dating someone from Colombia, and they're in Florida, and she was talking to me about the fact that she's like, I feel really weird that he'll mention things sometimes. Like, they were at a hotel together, and as they were checking out, a white lady was kind of freaking out and, like, went to her to ask for something. She's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And after she left, and he brought up the fact that she was nervous and crazy because there's a bunch of people of color in here right now and she didn't want to check out with all of us. Oh. And mm-hmm. she was like, oh, I didn't even notice Aww. that. So she's kind of doing all this. Is like, this her first person, person of, of color? color? From mm-hmm. my understanding. Okay. So she's like, I just feel bad because I feel like I should be more work than this. I should be noticing this a lot more. I feel, you know, that sort of thing. And then she's like, it's just weird because every time we're together, he'll like always mention something else because, you know, whether we're walking someplace and how people notice and he'll just be kind of like, just so you know, like people are noticing, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And my advice to her is I was more just like, I mean, just notice it. Like you don't need to do anything extra, but just you're going to start paying attention more and that's good. You're going to start noticing things. Sure. But I guess I would say, like, we have talked about this before because you've dated white men. Mm-hmm. And I know that you said from your experiences they were getting high fives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anything to necessarily speak on that type of issue, if it is an issue, I mean, both of us know it's not really an issue to us. It's an issue. But it is an issue. Yeah, it's an issue. It's not not an issue. It's an issue. It's an issue I wrestle with on a daily basis Mm -hmm. of whether or not I can go to a place and be safe. And a lot of the time I just choose to ignore and do. But there are certain points in time where I have to ask a question like, can I go here? Is this okay? Is this a place that I can be? And I think especially in the beginning, like when I first was with white one and two, you know, you think about whether or not if some shit goes down, are they going to be able to scrap and defend you if and themselves if they need to, mm-hmm. you know, or are they even paying attention to what's going on? Nine times out of ten, they weren't even paying attention to what was going on. And I'm hyper aware of it because I have to live my life hyper aware yes. of my color everywhere I go 24-7, no matter what happens. So it's not always easy to mute that. I think in the times we live in, it makes it more difficult to mute that because it's now so pervasive. Also, it could it's also, I think, now because white people are becoming aware of their own fragility that <laughs> it's kind of refreshing because there's like, oh, my, this is a thing that happens? Oh, my God, I never... Like, it's all fucking new and surprising. And the rest of us are like, yeah... Every day, all day, all the time. (laughs) So now that they're awakening to the fact that, like, the world is a shit show and um, we do live in factions and it's a weird time, um, that part might be a little bit better. But definitely, I think about that always. Um, Do you have advice for then for the white people in a relationship? I mean, we can't make you pay attention to what's going on. So just say, but just to me, I mean, like my first thing was I was like, just pay more attention, I guess. But 
I don't know what that means or what that looks like. Like, what do you pay attention? Okay. So you're going to just look at everybody and then assume that they're all judging and looking at you weirdly because you're with someone else? Then, I mean, that defeats the purpose of everything, right? No. I think it's just I don't know. for sure. I think when someone mentions it, take that at face value and be like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry that you feel that way and you feel uncomfortable in that situation. Um, and then maybe start to get examples of what that looks like. Like maybe next time say, hey, what is happening? Point it out to me so that I can actually see what this looks like because I live my life walking down the streets without looking at anything. Which also, mind you, don't just ask some rando on the street. Even asking a friend or someone you're with that is putting upon them to give you extra whatever. Mm-hmm. You could but Google. otherwise, but it's also, hard to... Yes, it is hard. How are you going to know? You're going to have to press upon that person that you're with because that's the person that you're with. Right. And if they're the one saying, hey, I'm seeing this, hey, I'm seeing that, hey, I'm seeing the other and I'm not seeing it, you're going to have to let me see it, right? Because right. once you start seeing it, it's kind of like it's like you bought a car. Yeah, then you start like, seeing them all over the place. Yeah, so it's like once you kind of know, you'll kind of realize. You'll start to, to really understand it, and but you'll see how subversive, subversive it is and that it's really, quote, unquote, low key. I mean, literally me just driving in my neighborhood and seeing someone who has stickers that, say, you know, Trump, whatever, Mm -hmm. on them, and they're pro-guns and all sorts of things like that, it puts me, it it kind of puts the hair on the back of my neck up a little bit, because now I have to be like, okay, so these people I might have to think about, you know, one day, and I've I've said it on here. My phone's not on silent. (laughs) I've said this a couple of times before, during, right before the election, I made a wrong turn in a neighborhood and I wound up in Trump country not far from my job and I felt unsafe and I tried to get my ass out of that area as quickly as I could was I overreacting maybe um but considering I've seen people wearing shirts saying you know I like guns and I love you know drinking beer and if you don't like that then you can move out like Mm -hmm. that's not i think that's a valid thought process for me history has dictated that it's best to get the fuck out you know what i mean like i'm from brooklyn there are areas that you still don't go to today at nighttime or maybe even during the day it's a it's a tough situation um i don't think that i did my interracial relationships a lot of justice in terms of I tried to kind of assimilate and just be like, well, I'm not going to worry about it. I can't worry about it. Blah, 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 blah. Or think about it in those ways. Or nor did I even try to educate the people that I was with to say like, you know, hey, sometimes this or sometimes I'm seeing that, you know. Um, I probably could have done that more and made them a little bit more self-aware as human beings as well. Instead of just being like, we're two humans and we're living together because (laughs) we love each other or we're dating, whatever. We don't see color. Right. I saw it all the fucking time, <laughs> and I just you was like, it. you're being over dramatic and hyper aware, and you don't have to be. And I found that, I think here you don't, here in Minnesota, I should say in Minneapolis proper and the Twin Cities areas, right. you don't have to be as much on guard as you do in other parts of the world. Like, I've traveled to the South with white, too. And I was like, yo, <laughs> this is some serious <laughs> shit now. Yeah. And we have to be aware because this is a place I said I'd never tread, yeah. period. Yet alone with you, white man. <laughs> so, you know, and we were fine and, and all of those things. But I think regardless, if 
her boyfriend was with a bunch of other Latinos or other people of color, they would all all be the same way as well. Like it again, it's just it's in his DNA. It's what he's been born into, and he, you're just always aware of where you right. are and your surroundings, twenty four seven. It is the worst possible feeling it's stressful it's awful it's icky that nice brown man running down the street i would never do that i would never run (laughs) in my neighborhood you would never see me walking in my neighborhood you'd never see me doing shit in my neighborhood so you don't even go for like after dinner walks oh fuck that shit no i will drive to a park and walk around that rather than walk around in my own neighborhood i I know where you live so to me that makes sense i mean but i just don't trust people like i don't trust people i tell you i've seen cars speed up as i cross the street you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, Such fucking come on. <laughs> it is better to just be in a park, I guess, but there are no cars. Yeah, but even still, people still might run away from you. Cross, cross over to the, I don't know, the other bike path. What the fuck if I know? That doesn't happen, <laughs> but I'm just saying. I, I, I you know, people have crossed me. the street. People have done those things. I've been following, followed in stores. Not here. To my knowledge, not here. Um, but back home in New York, obviously, that's just a way of life. So it sucks. Um, she shouldn't feel bad that she's not paying attention to it, but when attention is drawn, understand that that means something to the person who's telling it yeah. to you, and and really try to respect that. Yes, so, that's all. That's well, tough. thank you for sharing that. Yeah, sorry guys, way to bring it down. <laughs> I think no, but I think it is important because what I meant before when I said like to you and I, it's not an issue. I meant more of like dating someone of color Mm -hmm. but no it clearly is an issue oh it's a huge issue of because we do see it everywhere there's a reason why people of color are being killed targeted etc and you know (laughs) yes it was the late 90s early 2000s but it was still belly buttons were being shown left and right mildly taboo to be in an interracial relationship Uh, even that way back when much like slap bracelets they were introduced and then the school district was like no though Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't slap people plus the slapping gives triggers people to feel that they're being arrested there you go that's exactly Let's draw from this. <laughs> Everything. Uh, now they would be banned for that reason. Like, well, no, Probably. it's going to trigger someone into thinking that. Uh, they're banned because they're fucking annoying. Like, yeah, they were much. fun for the person holding it because I used to have one, but also hearing the kink, kink, the slapping noises. Yeah, the slap. They're fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate you sharing. <laughs> Are we going to be doing our. Oh, right. That's right. Crap. Why don't you tell the group what you've made for us to drink today since it's based on your travels abroad? Yeah, Tinta de Verano. So it's a drink of the summer, and I used to have it a lot while traveling while in Spain. And it's essentially you take wine. They Obviously, they use Spanish wine. <clears throat> any type of wine, red wine, actually, any type of red wine. You're really doing well. I'm amazing. So any type of red wine, usually cooled, but I just add ice cubes as well. And I fill it up maybe to about like half the glass. And then you choose a sparkling water of some sort. We have Perrier because we're fun. <laughs> we are. And um, you can get the flavored kind, too, if you want to be lazy, but depending on what you want. I also get lime juice, lemon juice. Okay. So then you fill it up for almost the rest of the way. If you want to be all the way fancy, you can use some vermouth. 
Ooh. Add a little dash in there as well. A little dabble do ya. If uh, you just have plain sparkling water, that's when you can add the additional if you want to put lemon or lime juice in it. And um, mix it on up. And drink it. And then you drink it. And it's kind of like a very fresh kind of drink. If mm-hmm. you don't have the vermouth in there, it does take a little bit of the taste away, but it just, it tastes really good. Or you can, if you don't want to do the fancy, like if you don't like sparkling water or any like that, you can also just make lemonade. I know people who, uh, the poor man's was they didn't have any sparkling water or whatever at one destination. They're like, but we have Sprite. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so we had alcohol Sprite. is alcohol. <laughs> but I mean, it was super fresh. Like we would walk like 30 kilometers and then it would be like, it was really nice to just, are you clicking while we're doing this? I was like, is it working again? So cheers. Tito Puente. <laughs> what does that mean? God, never mind. Tito Puente is a famous drummer. All right. All right. I think we're done taking our stupid photos. I'm happy to take it out. Okay. Not the worst. We're not Trump or people who support him. Wow. <laughs> Zing. Ooh, this is still recording. Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Yep. Let the world know. Okay. Mallory, so let's start our fun discussion on Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Mm, mm, mm. So how did you come across this book? So over the winter time, I was in a mild doldrums and I was kind of wrestling with, you know, like, oh, I'm all by myself, always here for me, blah, blah, blah. And then I came across this book and I was like, oh, I'm going to read that. You know, I try to make self goals for myself every year. I'm like, I'm going to do this because I need to be better about figuring out how to do things by myself to stand in my own and be okay with that. Um, a lot of the time, you know, like you have to go to the movies with people, you have to eat dinner with people, you can't do things by yourself. And I'm a single person and my family does not live here with me. And my friends are busy sometimes and do other shit and I have to be okay with me outside in the world and also inside just in my own skin and so i thought that she would help there was another book that i had read from her a long time ago and i can't remember it's like something about being enough or something along those lines when i had first started going to serious therapy in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. um that i had read and i was like okay you know i started reading a bunch of different sorts of self-help books at that point in time in addition to going to therapy and Quite frankly, I don't like to read because I have some PTSD from graduate school, so I don't technically <laughs> like to read books. I will never do this experiment and exercise again. It's this one. I thought I thought I it was, was just, just me. me, but it isn't. Yeah, it gives some perfection. I think I have that one. Maybe I don't know. I like Brene Brown. I like um, how she just like her matter of fact type of style. Yes, I did enjoy that about the book. And, you know, yeah, some parts of it, sure, you can take, some you can't. Um, a lot of, sometimes she writes books like that are geared towards parents. Like, things can kind of go in, in different ways. But I find that you can glean a lot more gems from her for what you need, especially if you're specifically going into it with that purpose Oh, with that. Okay. okay. That's kind of how I ended up with this book. And then since, since we were um, reading How to Date Men When You Hate Men, <laughs> so we were reading a book for you, and 
you know, I thought, okay, well, we, we'll read a book for me too. Mm-hmm. And so we'll make this a part of the podcast. It seems like the theme of our show this year is really self-reflection and introspection and trying to figure out how to love ourselves mm-hmm. so that we can move forward. So I just figured, eh, we'll share it. We'll see how it goes. So awesome. that's how I picked it. Now, I think I mentioned this before we did, and we both kind of agreed where I was like, it was harder to get into your book. Mm-hmm. And you were like, agreed, except your book. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, but different reasons. Right. And I'm assuming it was for different reasons. I'm so as well. you had said that you didn't like her or you were finding issues with some things. There's a lot of it that I really enjoyed. Like, I mean, I was, I didn't finish the full book because mm-hmm. reading through it, the other book, because I kept being lied to how long it was. And I kept, you know, I was like, how many more hours are in this other book? Bad planning. It was really bad planning. Mm-hmm. And so between work and everything. But, like, I was in the speak truth to bullshit, be civil. Mm-hmm. And, like, I I like a lot of that. Because I agree with a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is the fact that she, the way where she's at in her life right now versus mm-hmm. a 27-year-old writing about it is very completely different. Right. Like I said before it's about where you are and the stages of where you are in your world exactly So while you're trying to find your quote let's talk about what the wilderness is based on Brene's thinking and findings Brene Brown describes brave what the wilderness is as belonging so fully to yourself that you're willing to stand alone is a wilderness an untamed unpredictable place of solitude and searching it is a place that is as dangerous as it is breathtaking, a place as sought after as it is feared. So basically, it's living in your truth and and not wavering right. in that stance. And so I think the reason for me, like seeing that, that's great, like hearing that quote. Mm-hmm. And it was so very in the beginning, like the first chapters within the first 2% of the book, as you can see here, was when she was speaking about Maya Angelou mm-hmm. and saying, you are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. And she says, no, mm-hmm. that's not true. Like, you need to belong somewhere. You need to mm-hmm. whatever. And I was like, what the hell are you talking I don't think you're reading the quote right. Like, I don't. But I think that's her point. So her point was right. to say... What the hell are you talking about, Maya Angelou? And then as she continues her transformation and her understanding through the course of this book and right. what she's teaching. And that was the point. And her research was that she ended up figuring it out. Like, oh. Right. Because her life. She was ex- angry right away. She was like, no. Yeah. Her life experience was one of, you know, you have to fit in. You have to belong. Mm-hmm. You have to do those things. And one thing that I thought that I don't know if you even got there, but hopefully you resonated with was the part where she was like talking about family and how a lot of this stuff starts with family and she says not belonging in our families is still one of the most dangerous hurts and that's because it has the power to break our heart our spirit and our sense of self-worth yes sometimes the most dangerous things for kids is the silence that allows them to construct their own stories stories that almost always cast them as alone and unworthy of love and belonging i immediately thought of you yeah and obviously myself, because these are the things that I had to go through within my own family. But for you, I was like, oh, this hopefully touches on something for you to say, huh, okay. Right. It's not, a, it's not just me. I'm not alone. Thank God. And all families kind of have some issues, and we just have to kind of 
we have to work through them. It's unfortunate. Right. I think it's unfortunate more so for you because you found yours out later in life. Well, right. I mean, well, who's saying it's more unfortunate? It just means like. Well, I mean, you're to it, me. I at least understood what stability looked like. Benefit of knowing, like, oh wow, everybody's fucked up. You had <laughs> right, to find it out true. later on. Much later, where I realized you've it. Built a foundation based on a falsehood, and then you have to be like, fuck, my whole world is dismantling, and now I have to rebuild. That's right. Kind of where I was going with it. But also, I feel though, if you know dysfunction versus if you don't know dysfunction. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying, but I'm looking at it from the personality or or from the outlook, I should say, of if you have a more, even if it's what you thought was a functional stability home, you, I think, if that happens later on, have a better way of turning it about and still continuing to stay stable. Sure maybe necessarily than someone who's always had the dysfunction. But I don't know that for a fact. I have no idea. Statistics, I have no idea. I mean, like, still white men out there shooting people down. So so did you get to the part where she's talking about braving trust? I was curious how you felt about that since we've been talking about trust quite a bit lately. Right. Do you need me to re- go through those? Um, I am looking at, so I was chapter five. Well, this is like chapter one or two. <laughs> Go ahead and go through it again. Because, like, again, by the time I got to this book and I was like, I have a day and a half to read this. And I'm like, and that last part of that book did not want to end the other one. No, it did not. <laughs> I hear you. I was like, there's like 100 pages left. Just go, but lady. Again. Go. Again. Preparation. <laughs> so she talks about braving with trust. And so she, braving means, spells out different things. So. B is boundaries. You respect my boundaries. And when you're not clear about what's okay and not okay, you ask. You're willing to say no. Reliability. You do what you say you'll do. This means staying aware of your competencies and limitations so you don't have to overcompromise and are able to deliver on commitments and balancing and balance competing priorities. Accountability. You own your own mistakes. You apologize. You make amends. Right. Which... That's a big one for you because that did not occur 100%. Um, Vault, you don't share information or experiences that are not yours to share. I need to know that my confidences are kept. Integrity, you choose courage over comfort. You choose what's right over what is fun, fast, or easy. Non-judgment, I ask for what I need and you ask for what you need and we can talk about how we feel without judgment. And G is generosity. You extend the most generous interpretation possible to intentions, words, and actions of others. So that's the trust from other people. But for me, it was like having trust within myself. Because for me, that's my issue. For you, I think your issue is having trust from other people or oh, yeah. with other people. So for me... Mine seems to be constantly broken from people who I'm like, I'm going to put everything into there because I right. kept trusting you. And then it's like, mm-hmm, okay, great. That's where we're at. So the one that I struggle with is with self-trust. And that's did I respect my own boundaries. Was I clear with what was okay and not okay? Was I reliable? Did I do what I say, said what I, I say what I was going to do? Did I hold myself accountable? Did I respect the vault and share op- appropriately? Did I act on my for my integrity? Did I ask for what I needed? Was I non-judgmental about needing help? Was I generous toward myself? All things that I really struggle with right. on a daily basis because I put others ahead of me. Right, right. In every sort of way. So I was like, oh, well, ow. 
Don't you think, though, that maybe it's kind of more of like, um, kind of like the strengths personalities tests where it's... My you... super high empathy <laughs> and my super no. low optimism. I mean, like, when you look at it from self versus outwardly, like, even though it may seem that self-wise, those are still stuff that it's like, because I don't even think about those, doesn't necessarily mean I don't need to work on that. Because for a long time, it was... For you. Bound, yeah. Ah. So for me, it was kind of like reading through that. It was like, yes, I need those from other people. I do have a harder time trusting other people, mm-hmm. particularly right now. But as I was working through also realizing, because I went through my entire childhood and teenage years and a lot of my 20s, not realizing that it was like, no, I also need to set boundaries up for myself. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, I felt like it was like two of the same. I, I picked and chose because I was like, this one, <laughs> like I have enough self-confidence. I feel like I do really well. Mm-hmm. I also know it's very situational. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy when people say that I'm brave for going overseas. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, that's not a bravery. Like, uh, someone had, so a good instance is, uh, since I'm really into Legend of Zelda, I have a friend who showed me three different shirts. Because if you look at the Triforce, one means power, one means courage, one means wisdom. Mm -hmm. And each person in the video game who has that, they're supposed to, like, embalm what that is. Link is courage. So most people always, like, pop that on me. And the shirt had said something about courage of saying, like, I have the courage to like, even if I'm afraid, I'm going to do it anyway. And he's like, I think that's you. And I was like, yeah, but you have to be afraid then. Like, I'm not afraid to go overseas. That's not courage to me. Maybe to other people, that's courage. Well, was it in relation to going overseas or was that that just in general? He's like, in general, you do that. And I was like, I don't know how often I actually face my fear. I mean, like, I just kind of do things. <laughs> like blindly jumping I off that do. cliff, <laughs> and I'm like, that's not the greatest. No, but I was like, but I feel like that's like, I, like maybe I do because I don't have as much fear in other places. But I was like, that I guess just depends on your definition of what that courage means. Mm-hmm. So like, that's why I was like, I kind of pick and choose because it's sure. like for I me, mean, it's not all of them. Obviously, I mean, we're going to spell right. raving differently, and sometimes <laughs> raving just going to be ing, or it's going to be raving, or it's going to be vinging, or whatever it is. But that there are aspects of that that we can see that right. a that we can say yes, we're doing. We can check them off. We don't have to worry about it anymore because we got it. Or oh, I might need to continue to work on some of these things so that I can fill out all the letters like a hangman. Hopefully you don't hang the man. Right. The other thing that I thought was interesting as I was reading this, um, she started to talk about a lot of her book was really about like the state of the world. Right. She, she wrote this book after 2016's election, during you know 2017, and, and the things that she's highlighting and talking about are... We've obviously just faced, we just had three mass shootings in a week's time last week, and Mm -hmm. we're going through all of these really big struggles and these pains about naming things, what we need to name them, and continuing to segregate ourselves and really isolate ourselves from things. And I thought it was very timely and appropriate based on what was literally just happening on my TV screen as I was reading this book. And I think that it's kind of important for all of us to kind of understand that it's not an isolated, these aren't isolated incidents and pockets right. of things that are happening. Like Which a lot of people seem to think they are. This concept of what loneliness means, like when she, when she was trying, when she was explaining it or when other, she was quoting other people who were explaining what loneliness means and how it's a, it's a social disconnection. I'm feeling like that's what these people, these shooters 
must be feeling because they're isolated. And is the fact that they're isolated the reason why they're lashing out and feeling that they can go and do all of these things and creating others among people and dehumanizing people and doing all of these sorts of things? I have to try to understand, otherwise I'm gonna be just like them. I'm gonna be just like every all the other people who are hating. I don't think, and I mean, not to derail what you're, what you're explaining, but I also don't think that they are like, they get the name of the lone wolf and stuff for a lot of it. I don't think they are. But that's not, I don't mean it in that regard. Well, I, but I'm not even if they feel lonely and stuff, I don't think a lot of them are. Like, I think a lot of them just have a, a type of visceral hatred because, I mean, some of them, yes. There is that, oh, especially with school shootings, a lot of people will say because they were the loner, they were the... School shootings. You know, those are Men who decide to kill women for no reason. Right. Men who decide to kill a bunch of people for no reason because a woman rejected them. Right. Men who decided to throw a baby off a fucking balcony in the Mall of America because a woman didn't like him. How much of that is lonely and how much of that is just... But that's what I'm saying. It's like there's an isolation in it. And the way that she tries to explain it throughout the book is that like our first go-to emotions are out of based on our fear and loneliness, our anger and hate. So she's talking about this book written by Bill Bishop, who wrote a book called The Biggest Sort. And she says it tells the story of how we've geographically, politically, and even spiritually spiritually sorted ourselves into like-minded groups in which we silence dissent grow more extreme in our thinking and consume only facts that support our beliefs, making it easier to ignore evidence that our own positions are wrong. He writes, as a result, we now live in a giant feedback loop, hearing our our own thoughts about what's right and wrong bounce back to us by television shows we watch, the newspapers and books we read, the blogs we visit online, the sermons we hear, and the neighborhoods we live in. Mm -hmm. So we're consistently shrinking down our areas of exposure to different things. And I think we've talked about that before. With incels, too. Talking about even, well, with incels and even bringing up the fact of, I remember, like, one of the reasons why, like, I left Facebook, which was, like, I feel like I'm talking to, like, anytime that you post an article onto your social media anywhere, the people who are going to read it are the people who already know mm-hmm. and agree with you. You're not going to be changing anybody's minds by trying to... But I mean, isn't that the hope? Like, what are you posting it for? Right, you're hoping. But then also, okay. like, I'm not friends with anyone who's an asshole. So that's kind of, I guess, what I mean. Like, I completely am agreeing, saying, like, we're in a feed loop. And especially when it comes to, like, when you're on a website and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. who do you... Like, you always talk about all the time how you're like, I look at Fox News I try my best. Like, you have to know what the other side is saying. You have to be able to know. But then also, I get fucking frustrated. Because if I try to watch a Fox News interview and they bring on, like, a Democrat to be like, here's some reason. And it's just like, what are you? Like, they're just so disrespectful. (laughs) They're so... But the same could be said on the other side of the Oh, I'm sure. But I feel at least they let them finish their thought. Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) So we're not getting anywhere with Mallory on this. Um, We're going to just keep... I'm going to say that I play into it probably a little too hard. Yeah. Of being like, yeah, I'll just learn more over here. And Mm -hmm. someone else will tell me what the other side is saying. I'll be like, cool. (laughs) Right. That's not the point. I know. So I think her point is that we cannot keep doing that that we no, have we to try our best to understand other things but um she was saying like we got here to this point in our horrible 
political, social, like this world that we live in right now. It's an acne little pimple head. Through fear. Fear of vulnerability, fear of getting hurt, fear of pain, of disconnection, fear of criticism and failure, fear of conflict, fear of not measuring up. This is all coming out of fear. Maybe not my fear. No. And maybe not your fear. But fear from some folks. Well, we, and we've put that through a lot of different lenses, through a lot of people. Like when you do talk to a lot of psychologists or read articles that, yes, because all of a sudden, you know, people of color are standing up and saying this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Most white people take, when you talk about equality, when you say, well, we want it equal, much like a lot of people say with feminism, just with gender mm-hmm. issues, when you say that you want equality, they look at that as, but you're taking my mm-hmm. standing. Right. You're taking something away from me. Right. You're taking my place. They don't look at it as privilege. They look at it as, I worked hard for this because they don't understand their privilege. So she starts talking about terrorism as being time-released fear. And that the goal of global domestic terrorism conducts strikes that embed fear so deeply in the heart of a community that fear becomes a way of life. The unconscious way of living then fuels so much anger and blame that people start to turn on one another, which Mm -hmm. is what is currently happening now. Terrorism is most effective when we allow fear to take root in our culture, which is happening now and has always been happening. Well, we didn't have the term that we did have. After 9-11, when all of a sudden it became the war on terror. But that's a different terror. Right, but it just, it changed the, I would say, definition. Like, I remember in college, one of the professors was like, let's discuss what is terror? What war are we putting in? Like, what exactly, Mm -hmm. like, is this definition here? Because it feels pretty untangible, and it feels a lot like you could put that in anything you want to just be like, That needs to be eradicated now. Pretty much. So that's been happening forever. Forever. Mm -hmm. So it's only a matter of time before we become fractured, isolated, and driven by our own perceptions of scarcity, which is happening now. (laughs) Then she says, if leaders race too quickly to serve up an ideological enemy that we can rally against, Mexicans, rather than methodically identifying the actual perpetrator, everybody else, that we experience... What we experience is an emotional diversion away from the unraveling that's really happening in our homes and communities. Again, all of the things that are happening now. So how did you feel about reading all of that then? I was just like, oh my God, how... See, a lot of the times, like, I know we have this discussion a lot when we pick topics and we decide to talk about stuff, that it is almost kismet that it's meant to be happening at the way that it is. I've had this book since fucking December (laughs) and now we're reading it. And now this is happening in the world where all these people are getting killed. Babies are going to school and then their parents are not coming to pick them up because ice has taken them away. Um, All happening in the last span of this week. Well, it's been happening prior to that. It's just that people are, noting it no it's that literally happened well, i mean i know yesterday. that happened yesterday but i'm also saying like it was happening sure, months it was before happening that months before we just that. didn't hear or read no an article really cared about it as much but it's it's becoming more pervasive right. right um now we are seeing because i already am in a marginalized group multiple ways also in a hispanic way but i think people are seeing this happen physically immediately within their own eyes like oh my gosh raul just got fucking taken by ice and his daughter is sitting here crying bring my dad back he's not a criminal today Mm -hmm. 
what am I supposed to do with that? How do I take, you know, who's going to take care of this young person now? What is going to happen to her? How do, you know what I mean? Like, I think that people are now being literally confronted. They're, right. It's like being thrown in their faces. I think it's a good thing. I hate that it is at the expense of a lot of other people who don't have to really, shouldn't be having to go through this experience. Well, and it's all, it's not just like, I know that everybody says fake news type of thing, but I remember I was just speaking with my mother who she said, you know, how is it that this information is being let out? And all Trump says is that's not how it does. Mm -hmm. And yet nothing is done. And I was like, this has been happening for years. Mm -hmm. I'm like, even you can, this is just proof that you can literally shove proof in people's faces, yeah. but because someone said something else and different, they're going to ignore and the also, evidence. also, it's because it hasn't happened to me. Right. That's always the biggest thing. That's it's always like, the biggest if thing. If it doesn't happen to me, then it doesn't matter. But now, it's either happening to you, it's happening adjacent to you. Who hasn't been touched by something at this point in time? You know what I mean? At this point. It's ha- oh, it, yeah, it's happening everywhere. It's becoming but, one big old giant concentric circle of shit that's going on where we're all going to be impacted when we didn't have to be impacted if we had just given a shit the first time around. When I was like, the difference is from back when it used to happen, like, this is how Hitler came into power, yes. was literally he would say, nope, we're not going to put this in the journalist stuff. Mm-hmm. We're just going to say this. Right. And then it's going to be different news that they're receiving and no one's going to know what's happening. The difference is, is now we have ways, live feeds, live tweeting. But people still people don't believe stuff, that. But then they don't believe it mm-hmm. because the other people are saying this is different. And because it's not happening to them, like you said, they're going to say, I have my belief in so-and-so and what they say is true. So she talks about dehumanizing mm-hmm. And Which makes it easier to ignore. Right. And like you just said, it starts with creating an enemy image, which we have done. Mm-hmm. And then you start to take sides, lose trust, get angrier and angrier. We um, not only solidify an idea of our enemy, but also start to lose our ability to listen, communicate, and practice even a modicum of empathy, which is what's happening now. Because and it's starting to happen to the other side. Like, I am losing my empathy empathy right. very quickly for these other people mm-hmm. who are doing these, tra- tra- like, tragedy, these terrible things to these humans. I'm like, now you're a monster. <laughs> so... What's happening now, as she clearly is outlining, like, literally everything that is going on right now, is that it starts with language and then it's followed by images. These are all the things that are happening now. They've already happened in the past. That's World War II. But But things like ICE, the fact that, like, now people are visiting, senators are taking pictures, they're saying they can't do certain things, but they're writing articles. Right. And they're saying, hey, this is what we're seeing all of us are saying this is what is happening. Why is this still happening? Why is ICE not giving any shit? What she says then about in that regard is that we're all vulnerable to the slow, insidious practice of dehumanizing. Right. And therefore, we are all responsible to recognize it and to stop it. I think that that's the second part is the part that's the hardest part. It's like maybe not even recognizing it. Hmm. See, this is this reminded me of... Um, my boss that I used to have at the place we both worked at because he used to be in the military. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking him questions every once in a while. And I remember him saying that first that humans weren't necessarily meant to kill other humans. 
And he said, it's a very intense thing. Mm-hmm. It's like when it happens, like, yeah. and we don't think about that, especially when veterans come back. Right. Like, it's, right. we're horrible. We're a terrible mm-hmm. nation taking care of our veterans. Mm-hmm. He said the second thing was, is that when you're over there, in order to do that sort of thing, you have to dehumanize them. Mm-hmm. And he firmly believed that, he's like, if you're in the military and stuff, you can't survive that. if you don't. He's like, you can't survive. Also, he's like, you're racist. He's like, that's what it is. He's like, you come up with horrible terms for whoever the enemy is because of the fact that you have to dehumanize them in order to allow yourself to kill that person and be okay with it in the end. Mm -hmm. And so he said it was very difficult coming back and trying to not have those thought processes to continue his life. Right. And, well, I kind of feel he was racist. He was anyway, yeah. I, and whether or not that's an explanation, whether or not you take that as an explanation, it's whatever. A, but he great. knew it. Yeah. It, it, he at least was like, yeah, I fully blown admit that he's like, because this is like ever since I was 18, mm-hmm. this is what was instilled well, within me think. in order to do this right. horrible thing. Right. But now you've got kids going in there who are already gung-ho and already have to humanize yeah. any, every, any and everybody already. So they're like, yeah. Yep. I'll kill you and you and you and your dog. Oh, maybe not the dog. <laughs> well, maybe the dog too. Well, maybe. So then she starts to kind of talk about how do we... The next step. ...manage through these sorts of things. Like, instead of... How do you humanize a person dehumanizing They call you? conflict. So she thinks it is important for us as a collective us to try to understand where people are coming from, from who don't have the same opinion, viewpoint, life plan, life thoughts that we do. And it's more difficult to do, especially now, because we really do put ourselves in places where we're safe from that. We don't want to deal with stupid people, and we don't want to have to fucking try to explain why it's not okay to do X, Y, and Z to other people. And also, I think it would be different if we could have these communications with people, but generally speaking, it becomes more of like a shouting match. Right. Or Because nobody, generally when people are giving opinions, it's more because they want to talk. They're not Mm -hmm. willing to listen. Like she said before, Mm -hmm. like it's hard to have those conversations about things when the other person is just like waiting for you to be done so they can just speak their piece. Right, basically. (laughs) Because they're right. So here's, she's, they call it conflict transformation as opposed to resolution, which I think makes more sense because you are trying to transform a conflict. You're going to still disagree to disagree, but the fact that if you can both sit and take a moment to hear what other people are saying then i think it is it serves you better than to just shout at each other and to avoid she says explicitly address the underlying intentions what the conversation's about and what it's really about and then focusing on what did or didn't happen in the past or past events that led to the current situation usually increases the tension and decreases the connection so the critical first step is to focus on where are we now and turning that into what can we do in the future and what that looks like. She says to fully understand someone's perspective is to say, help me understand why this is so important to you or why you don't agree with a particular idea. And then really listen, listen to understand. And it's not about agreeing or disagreeing, but just to try to understand. We have to listen to understand in the same way that we want to be understood. So here's my question, though, because hearing this, reading it, so my thing is, is that works if both parties are on the same page. So 
the other party has to also be in that mindset in order for that to work, in my opinion. And there are some well, I mean, not people who can do that, but like, I'm not going to find a normal person. Like, I can't ha- do. I that don't think without. that's necessarily the case. I think that that's the whole reason why there's so vastly separate right. factions of things is because no one's listening. No know. one is listening. Like, you can be like, they're not going to understand. So why am I going to bother? Well, and that is but the, the key, only though. thing that you can do is just say, you can say, help me understand where you're coming from. But the right? way you get when that person. If they aren't going to do that, though. Well, they will help you. They will tell you where they're coming from. Oh, they'll tell. Right. But that's, then all you can, I see that point. I don't agree with it. And if they want to continue on forward there, fine. But if they don't, you don't have to push it. The point is not to change someone's opinion on how things are. But just to kind of educate them. And you don't know that maybe something you said did seep, seep into your parents or whatever it was. And maybe they'll do something different the next time around. And the more you have a conversation and leave the door open, right. they're more willing to do that. I have the same issue with my dad where we consistently, I yell at him all of the time about a lot of things. Like, do not say faggot. Do not do this. Do not do that. It is rude and it is not the right thing to say. I just, I know you're going to say that to me. I just say it now because I think it's funny to bother you with it. <laughs> and then I'm just like, okay, whatever. And That's I go great. back to Instagram. It's funny for you to oppress a billion mm-hmm. people to make it a joke. Cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Woo. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about them. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know what I mean? So there, come a, there comes a point where right. you just know where your limit is. Oh, yeah. But also, you know, as we've talked about before, where your deal breakers lay as well. Right. And I'm not going to, I will you not al- allow him to continue with that behavior without me saying something about it, regardless of whether or not it gets through that time or another i will consistently hold my value to that and say this is this is just not the right way that we should approach this particular situation this topic we can find a different way how about we change our language just ever so slightly not a lot slightly (laughs) and you know we'll go from there i don't appreciate hearing you say that especially since we have people in our family whom we love and would hate for someone else to call them words like that to hear words like that come out of your mouth think about your family and so i just keep trying to do it in that way right i don't need him i don't for him i don't need to say help me understand because he fucking tells me every goddamn day about the same things over and over again so it doesn't matter there are people that you know like after you have a conversation like help me understand and they're like blah 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 and if you don't get that reciprocation back that you know full well that you're not going to go anywhere right. with it. But there are people who you could say, help me understand your point. And then they'll be like, well, I tell me your point. Because someone actually took time to listen to me and hear where I'm coming from. And they didn't lash out, walk away, say, fuck you. Right. Or, you know, discredit everything you say. And I find myself doing that a lot with people because saying fuck you pretty much or being like, well, you know, I can't. it's it's hard. <laughs> it's really because hard. as especially I'm a woman, I'm a person of color on multiple fronts. Right. I'm a person of multiple ethnicities. So when you say something, you're impacting me on a lot of different levels. Whether or not you understand that is a different story altogether. Right. And for me, I'm just kind of like, well, it's a lot of work. It is work, but that, I think, is her point, well, is to say... Because how many times can you say that? I know, I think I've mentioned this in, into a, another podcast of ours, another episode somewhere, 
where there was an article talking about that. Um, and I think the main point of the article was more people getting frustrated that when it came to women sure. and, then, and men trying to say, well, explain feminism then to me kind of thing. And it's like, well, we shouldn't have to carry around a fucking PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. and tell every single person we meet right. and say everybody has a difference. Like think of a glass mm-hmm. and every time we do something, we have to pour water into it. And now it's overflowing at this point. We don't need any more of this. Right. So it's like everyone has that different point. Mm-hmm. Of when they're like, and I'm done. So who knows at what point during your day, you're like, I've already done this. Mm-hmm. 20 bajillion times, you're the person I don't wish to do this with. Right. And you're entitled to say that and do that. And right. be like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done for today. Maybe come at me tomorrow. We can talk <laughs> about it then. But today, no. Right. Like, the time I had to explain why Black Lives Matters to someone at work. Right. Um, and I'm not even going to shade it. I, at one point, was like, what different? I mean, my God, all of our lives make a difference. And then Philando happened, and I was like, oh, my God, how fucking stupid have you been to be like, whoa. Right? Right? Like, doy. You know, because, again, I do try to understand other people's sides and perspectives on these things and try to be like, open to say, well, we all are humans in this world and should live rainbows, sunshine, flowers, hearts, blah, blah, blah. Sure, we all bleed red, y'all. However, that is not the case in this particular world and country. And for me to try to be like, oh, no, I get it, and sugarcoat it, I I refuse to do that anymore because that compromises who I am in my internal core of of me. And I'm not doing that anymore. Like, I'm going to say... Listen, this happens to black people. If you need to understand it, here's a documentary that you can watch on Netflix that will fully explain <laughs> this to you. Um, I sh- what I should do is get like little cards made, and when people ask stupid shit like that, I could just hand it to them and be like, here you go, and I shouldn't say it's stupid shit. But you know. Well, I would say that goes along the line of <laughs> being like, thing. keeping a little PowerPoint. Well, let's see here what the little pointer says. <laughs> I would love to, honestly, like, people are like, we shouldn't have an FAQ constantly on us. And I'm like, I would oh, love, actually, to probably just be like, mm-hmm. sure, give me five minutes of your day. Point, 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 I'm out of here. Anyway, let's continue. I feel like we've... So I will close it with this part on this particular segment of things because I found it to be really profound and I think that we obviously should have a conversation about it because it's not, like I said, we've talked about this before on our show, it's not just about love relationships, but it's relationships across the board. Yes. And if we can't figure out how to relate to each other and one another despite differences, then we are, we should just blow up this fucking planet today because we're not going to get anywhere any further. But um, she talks about things within the U.S. about the greatest fault lines that we have that are race, gender, and class. The fear and uncertainty flowing from collective trauma of all kinds have exposed those gaping wounds in a way that's both profoundly polarizing and necessary. These are conversations that still need to happen. This discomfort must be felt. Still, as much as it's time to confront these and other issues, we have to acknowledge that our lack of tolerance for vulnerable, tough conversations is driving our self-sorting and our disconnection. That's pretty much it right there. Nobody wants to talk about it. Right. We all just want to sit back. I just want to talk to you about how much I fucking think this is disgusting. I have disdain for all the things. And you'll go, yes, me too. And then we'll be like, look at this article. Look at this article. Look at that article. But what are we doing a, a beyond us right. to kind of make a change happen? 
It's conversations that need to happen that nobody wants to talk about. It's the shit that pisses me off with some of my friends who, if I send you something, I want you to see it for a reason. You can't turn away because that's how we continue to be where we are. If you just can't deal with it, that's a problem. Like you have to look at things in the face to see what is happening. Otherwise, you're not really going to get it. I mean, you can get it by maybe reading it or hearing me say something to you. But until you see it and until it goes into your own senses for you to actually understand and translate what you've seen, I didn't want to see that little nine-year-old girl crying on TV saying that she would like the government to let her mom and dad go, okay? It's not something I wanted to see. I wanted to turn the fucking channel, turn my TV off, throw my fucking TV in the street. But I watched it because I have to watch it. Otherwise, I am desensitizing myself and I'm not understanding what people's pain and what they're going through. You cannot do that. It is a disservice to yourself. It's a disservice to them. Well, and what I think is happening, though, is that there are people like you who are watching this and feeling these things and want to do something about it. And the main issue is is that a lot of people are watching it and thinking, I don't think they turn it off. I think they legitimately think think that they deserve it. I think that there's a lot of people out there, the reason why we are where we are with the immigrants and what they're doing to these immigrants, Mm -hmm. that's what they're doing. They're thinking they deserve this. Well, if your father hadn't done this. Well, if your mother hadn't done this. And it's like, what they're doing is not a crime. No, it's not. They're living their lives. They're working. They're trying to give their kids a better life. What we all want. I don't have kids. You don't have kids. Mm -hmm. We want our kids adjacent to have a beautiful and lovely life because we know that eventually they're going to be the ones dictating our lives regardless of whether or not we birth them they're still going to be the ones that are going to have to take care of us as we get older and make decisions for us and dictate how this world spins and i think that one of the hardest kind of one of my last comments i guess i'll say just due to time is that is redefining necessarily what we're capable of doing maybe because I always remember, I think about this like probably every other week, because um, Jan, our therapist, I have a huge problem with not doing big things. I see a problem and I want to be like, fucking take it down now, dismantle mm-hmm. it. But as soon as I saw these little immigration camps popping up is, I was like, oh my God, anarchy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go there. I'm going to dismantle, take people out. <laughs> I'm going to plant a bomb, maybe down. like uh-huh. just get rid of this shit and we're going to get these people out to safety and I'll figure it out from there. <laughs> and one of my friends gently took me down and was like, that's not how that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. But I was like, I read it in books all the time. Let's do this. And I was talking to, to Jan about it and just trying to be like, I, I want to like, there's not enough done. Like talking to people is useless because it's not taking care of the problem. Like doing one at a time doesn't actually fix anything to me. Mm-hmm. And so she told me a story about how her, I know she always has stories. Jan and her stories. <laughs> and I, I, I understood what she said, but I also in the same breath was like, I don't fucking understand what you're trying to tell me here because it's not what I want. It's so never what I want. It down. But she was telling me a story about the fact that her and her friends were trying to get into a building for a conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were protesters that were outside and they were screaming and they were yelling and making it a really rough time for anybody to get in. They were trying to block them off. And so one of her friends went up to the main leader who was screaming and yelling and spit was coming from their mouths and it was horrible. You know, and he started yelling at her. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, 
tell me what you're talking about. And so he started yelling at her and telling her, like, well, this is what we need. So she would ask questions. Mm-hmm. And she would say, okay, come forth. And she was like, meanwhile, she's like, because he was the big, huge leader of the group, causing everybody to do it, now that he wasn't yelling and screaming as much and was communicating with her, the other people kind of, like, settled down or were just kind of holding their signs. And so people were streaming past them and going into the building. And so she's like, so for, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes, she just kept saying, so why do you feel this way? Mm-hmm. Why do you think this? Why and what else is there? Mm-hmm. And kept going until finally she's like, they were having a, he was just talking at her. And once about five minutes before the show ended, she finally was like, okay, thank you for telling me your point of view. And then she went inside to see Mm-hmm. the show and I said so what does that mean <laughs> like we just I'm talked like, about I'm it I'm like I get it but I was like I don't get it I'm like what did that even do I'm like she didn't change his mind nothing changed why are you telling me this story because to me I'm like that doesn't all that means is like yay they get to talk to me about stuff and then I get to say thank you and move along like that doesn't and she was like well the outcome was is that he stopped screaming and yelling and everybody was able to get in. Mm-hmm. And they got to see it and didn't have to do that. So she did that. And I was like, but that doesn't... I'm like, what did that change? Oh. And she was like, it was a small victory. Mm-hmm. Like, she was like, that's just kind of... She, and she didn't say those words. Mm-hmm. She was trying to get me to realize it. Right. And I was like, I get what you're saying, but to me, that's not enough. Like, to me, I want these big, huge fucking changes and maybe it is burn it all down, get these immigrants out of there, and get them to safety where they can actually have more than one lice comb for these tiny little children with beds that were taken away from them. Mm-hmm. That's where, and I always struggle, where, because I see it, I get it. Like these people were able to left. do. I do. I like to, where it's just like, I get it. This small, tiny little thing that helped this, mm-hmm. them to do what they needed mm-hmm. to do. I get that aspect of it. Also, how can we stop it from ever happening again? Like, that's how I go. Because I need more. I need it where it's like, okay, so that worked in that situation. So now it's going to happen all along throughout these other areas and stuff. What about those? They'll be small victories. That's how wars are fought. I mean, back in the day. Think about Outlander. <laughs> oh my God, in Outlander, they just were like, we don't like that kid. Chop off his hand. <laughs> other than that, they fought small wars. At least that's where I'm at right now. Um, okay, so can we take a quick break? Yes. We talked a lot about the state of the world. Mm-hmm. But also we need to talk about how these things pertain to us. And I know that you didn't quite get to finish the book. No. So um, I will kind of go into the last bit of the book. Thank you. <laughs> I am going to finish it. It's fine. You don't, don't be forced no, to No, I it. want to finish it. Um, so she does talk about a, a bit about joy. I have kind of discussed that that's a little bit up where I am at this point in my life. I'm just trying to find that joy in things and be joy filled and embrace moments of that in my world. Mm -hmm. Difficult for someone who has a 45 optimism. (laughs) So she says joy is probably the most vulnerable emotion we can experience. We're afraid that if we allow ourselves to feel it, we'll get blindsided by disaster or disappointment. That's why in moments of real joy, many of us dress rehearse tragedy we try to beat vulnerability to the punch by Im- imagining the worst or feeling nothing in hopes that the other shoe won't drop. 
and she calls it foreboding joy, which is literally on my like a day to day and living in a last set ironic song all the time. So oh, and it's kind of funny <laughs> that you bring that up because I remember every time going to Jan's office and saying like, I mean, this, this and this. And she's like, why would you do that? Right. And yeah. I'm like, well, because, because to mm-hmm. prepare, because I don't want, like, what if he says this? What if he says that? And she's like, and what if? Like, anything can happen, so why ruin it? And I'm like, because preparedness. <laughs> she ca- calls, I think it's one of the actual top subjects or um, chapters in the book is um, strong back, soft front. Yes, I think and, that's the last um, that's a really hard thing for most people to do is to display vulnerability but also display strength and um that's what it basically means it means to be courageous and to be vulnerable simultaneously um what she also describes as strong back armored front which is what i live (laughs) (laughs) um which is basically being armored because we're not comfortable with weakness or we've experienced trauma that's taught us that vulnerability is actually dangerous and that's pretty much what I'm trying to what I'm trying to shed on a daily basis mm-hmm. so that I can get to being more of a softer front, opening my myself up, being a little bit more vulnerable to things, experiencing joy with gratitude, which is something else that she also mentions, and um, not being so guarded because I think that also when we are when we guard ourselves, we do minimize our empathy we minimize our compassion we minimize our ability to to feel and to love and to be loved etc because we're always trying to protect ourselves from stuff difficult to work through and to work on but it's something that is a good challenge to have being joyful but not but trying to be like oh i'm super happy but you're terribly sad so i'm not going to be happy today and i've done that i've done that with you i've I got a job promotion. I never told you about it because you were going through a bad time and I didn't want to... And that would have brought me joy. (laughs) Make you feel like, oh, my life is shitty and here's her life being great. I never told you that before. I don't even think you know that I got a job promotion. Nope. So there you go. So it's... Those are the things that I try to work through. It's been a while. But anyway... (laughs) um, it's not fair for me to do that. No, because... I knew it. Well, and it's not fair to say that I would be happy for you. Right. But I also was like, oh, no, she's going through a really crappy time. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't want to make her feel worse or feel whatever. And that's not obviously necessarily the case. So something else is that we deplete ourselves of what it takes to feel fully alive and fueled by purpose if we don't express our joy. Finally what the whole book is about, because you didn't get there, um, <laughs> is that Maya Angelou meant is that she was right. But I think it's important to read this. She says, stop walking through the world looking for confirmation that you don't belong. You'll always find it because you've made that your mission. Stop scouring people's faces for evidence that you're not enough. You'll always find it because you've made that your goal. True belonging and self-worth are not goods. We don't negotiate their value in the world. The truth about who we are lives in our hearts. Our call to courage is to protect our wild heart against constant evaluation, especially our own. No one belongs here more than you. And I think that that's really hard to come to that conclusion. It takes a lot of work Mm -hmm. because you can say that's all you're going to find, but also that kind of was what we told black people forever. That is kind of what, you know what I mean? Where it's like trying, being someone particularly of a minority status of saying, you belong here. Yes, you do. Everyone's going to tell you that you don't belong here. You have to continue to stay stronger. Like, that's hard. I think it's hard overcome. for people in general. 
it's hard for me, and I'm not thinking about it as a person of color or whatever. I'm thinking about it as Temu, who has experienced issues of not loving herself, right. issues of not feeling adequate, issues of if we go to a restaurant, I notice that the server looks at you in your face and not me, or talks directly to you and not me. Stuff like that, because I don't feel like they're seeing me, that I'm worthy enough to be seen. That's me. That is my own shit that is going on within my own personal self and what I have to work on and struggle with every day in terms of belonging in a general sense and in a collective Right. Sense. But also I would say that could that even be different if it ended up being that you were a white woman instead of a black woman or a person of color? I don't general? know. So that's where I'm coming from too, of being like part of that is, yes, you have all of that on you as well. But like also if you're a person of color and depending on what time period you were in mm -hmm. I feel like that's a lot to put on too but I think it's something that you need to consistently say to yourself right you have you to you need to always say you was kind you was smart you was important regardless of whether or not it's in this more you know flowery terms or whether it is you was kind you was smart you was important you is enough you are enough right regardless of your color your your gender whatever else it is, you are here in this world. You belong you, here regardless. And you no one can tell you that you, you can't. deserve space. Right. No one should ever be able to take away the fact that you right. are allowed space. Right. Unless you're Hitler. Right. <laughs> you get no space. Except in hell. Won't be. Well, Nazi I wish Lander. that I had gotten to the point of chapter seven. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. Uh, but So would you recommend this a lot to a lot of people? Or? I would. I would absolutely. Obviously, I think it was really timely, especially with what she's talking about in terms of how we can just fall into these slippery slopes of dehumanizing people. It's easier. And um, being isolated in our spaces. I think it's it's hard to say that you should have social interaction. Obviously, you will die if you don't have social interaction. But as we continue to be in a world where it's all digital and we don't necessarily interact with people. I mean, my God, I met my, I met white one online. Right. We didn't interact with each other until we physically met. But the importance of connection, regardless of whether or not it's your barista or you're at work or, you know, you're getting a massage or something just to have some form of it. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. It doesn't have to be that you live with people, but the fact that you interact helps you to realize and keep yourself rooted in humanity so that you don't go shoot up a Walmart. <laughs> At the end of the day, when it all boils down to whatever it boils down to in the end, we all decay, maggots come out, flies are born, our skulls, our bones are all the same. White bones. Oh, yeah. Whatever it is. I, my thing is, is again, I look at this as, this is great for people who know that they want to do better. Sure. You want to do better, but you don't know how to even start. I think it's a good way to start asking simple, small questions for people that are in your world. My point is, is I feel that more like how if you were to give this book to people who you think that should actually utilize it, like you're not going to be able to take this book and give it to someone who is shooting up a place. No. They're like, that's where, and I think that. Um, but I think we can try to have not compassion for the person shooting up the place, but we can try to have to not be polarizing in it and say, 
because you did a certain thing, like you voted for Trump, that you believe all of these other things as well. You are a racist, you're a sexist, you're a homophobe, you're this, you're that, you're the other. My dad didn't vote for Trump. He is a sexist, he can be racist, he's a homophobe. He's all of these things. He's still my dad. Right. So I have to figure out if I can glean some information here that's going to help me, <laughs> A, survive being me and not being like, fuck you, bro. Right. To my dad, out of respect. But also to be to be good within myself to say, this is who I am. This is why I'm not changing. Right. These are, this is how I feel about things. You are talking bullshit. And for me to acknowledge that and just move forward. Right. And if I can help you along the way, fine. But if I can't, that is fine, too. I did my best. That's all I can do. I can but still be true to who you right. are. Like, you can have your opinion. You can say whatever you want. It's cool. Here's what I think. Here's where you are. Let me help you understand where I am. And you help me understand where you are. There are probably some granules of things that we might find that are similar that we can relate to or not. That's cool, too. But we had a conversation about it. You don't have to then go back and say, well, I had a conversation with this woman and she... No, it was like I had a conversation with this woman. She listened to what I had to say. I listened to what she had to say. We both disagreed on what we where our approaches came from, but we had a civil conversation about it. Right. That's all you... Or just not talk to anybody because that's what I do. And watch MSNBC. Hand out cards. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line is it's not all going to, it's not going to fix everything. It doesn't fix anything, but it's a start. If it, if it falls into someone's hands, they read it and they go, oh my gosh, great. And I'm sure that's what she feels as well. Like if you read this book and it, it resonates with you, fantastic, right. wonderful. If it doesn't, that's cool too, because I got my $13. You know what I mean? <laughs> so otherwise, ladies, just become a vigilante. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> anyway we've talked too long we have all right well i am thankful that you brought this book up and i'm really glad that we did read it so. i am too yay <laughs> do you feel ready us. do you feel no confident I'm... to place them into place or no because i'm still gonna throw a shoe at somebody but right, anyway cool. <laughs> better shoe better shoe <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, a Battle of Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Battle of Pod. If you guys had your own experiences, if you've read the book, if there's other books that are like, no, don't read that book. Instead, become a vigilante CIA agent, and this is how you can take people out of immigration. Connect with me. <laughs> Let me know how I can become a part of this. Let Mallory know how to become a black ops. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, you guys. Cheers. Bye.